John chapter 4. And in John chapter 4, we have the passage where Jesus meets the woman at the well. And almost, by the way, I love these truths that come to us, by the way. It's just in a conversation he's having with a woman. But the Lord Jesus drops a glorious truth into our laps. It's, 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 an enor- it's, it, it's a truth that is really too big to get our heads around. What he's going to say to her. And it really is not the, the, it's not the issue that he's talking. He's, he's leading her to himself. He's leading her to, uh, to salvation. What he's talking to her is about uh, is salvation. And he talks to her about worship. Now look at John chapter 4. And verse 21. And Jesus saith unto her, Woe believe me, the hour cometh, when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet in Jerusalem worship the Father. We worship ye know <clears throat> ye worship ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is. Alright, there's a change coming. The hour cometh and now is. It's happening. The hour cometh and now is. When the true worshipper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Three thoughts I want to catch you with this morning. First of all, there was a change. There was a change from Old Testament worship. The hour cometh and now is. Old Testament worship was centered around the temple. That's where it all happened. Everything was focused there. But there was a change coming, right? The second thing is that... We're to worship in spirit. That's different. And we were to worship in truth. So three thoughts. There's a change coming. And we're to worship in spirit and we're to worship in truth. And then the glorious thought that covers all of it. says, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about the fact that God is actually actively seeking something today. You know, we think of God living in his heaven, in his perfection, completely satisfied. And yet, today, in heaven, the God of all creation, the God who spoke it all into existence, is seeking something. He's looking for something. Could could we say this, he's yearning for something? And when it comes down to what he's yearning for, what he's yearning for, you and I can supply. I'm interested, are you? I'm instantly interested. If I can supply something that God is yearning for, I want to do it. I I want this to happen. This is important. The topic we're looking at this morning is worship. And let's have a word of prayer. Father, would you bless us? Blessed Holy Spirit, we need you in this hour. Because, Lord, no man has the words to take and put in people's hearts that desire and that passion for worship. But, oh, Lord, we know that you long for it. We know that you want it. And, Lord, we want to give it. Lord, would you help? Would you enable? Would you bring grace to bear in this room? Would you let your presence touch us? Because, Lord, I know that there's nothing changes us like your presence. There's nothing touches us, Lord, like Lord, like gazing into your face. And oh, Lord, as we worship and as we look to you, Lord, would you lift our hearts to you, Lord, that we might be united with you. In Jesus' precious name, amen.
Let me look at a couple of things, uh, a couple of areas, first of all, of worship that's not acceptable. Do you know, not all worship is acceptable with God. <clears throat> that, that some worship just, just doesn't cut it with him. Look at Matthew chapter 15. <clears throat> Matthew 15, verse 7. And he's speaking to the scribes and the Pharisees here. <clears throat> Matthew 15 and verse 7. He says this to them, Ye hypocrites, well did they say as prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. For in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. So <clears throat> they worshipped him in vain. Now, so here's what you've got. You've got the scribes and the Pharisees. And if you'd asked the scribes and the Pharisees what they were about, they would have said, God. We live for God. We breathe for God. Our whole lives are about God. Do you worship God? Well, oh, yes, we worship God. <clears throat> you, you want to see us in the temple. I mean, we are it. We, we, listen, that, that's who we are. I mean, to be honest with you, I think to such an extent that they really didn't even question this whole idea. That they just reckoned they were the people that worshipped God. And Jesus is undercutting them now. And he says, in vain do you worship me. Now, <clears throat> there are two reasons why he says they're worshipping in vain. I want you to catch them. First of all, <clears throat> they worship with their lips, but their heart is far from them. <clears throat> so well, it's coming out of their mouths. But their hearts are not there at all. They're going through the motions. They're going through the form of things, but their hearts are not there. Now, now one of the, the issues with the Old Testament worship was, really much of it was you just had to show up. You just had to be there in bodily presence. I mean, there was, there was a feast at the temple, so listen, you, you made your way to the temple, no matter how far you were, and you were there at the temple, and you, know, and you worshipped because you were there, and that, that's just the way it was. And, there was a, and that's what these people were doing. They were going through the form of it. But if you'd asked them about a personal knowledge about God, personal relationship with God, when did you last really talk to him? When did you last really hear from him? They said, don't be silly. This is God we're talking about. And they were going through the motions of it. Can we do that? I think we can. I think it's very easy for us to do that. I think it's very easy for us to get to the place where we just where we show up. Where we show up and we do the business. But what God is looking for is God is looking for our hearts to be there as well. He's looking for our hearts to be given to Him. You see, the worship is not worship because we sing words. It's not even worship because we sing words well. It's not even worship just because we sing right words. Right? It's worship because our hearts are engaged. Because we actually lift our hearts to Him. Now, the, the truth is that again, this, you and I are not able. We're not able. <clears throat> we need him to do it. But, but here's the thing. I'm going to talk to you about vain, say to you about vain worship, and then we're going to move on about it. Here's the thing that, that, <clears throat> that needs to be in your heart. I'm coming to church now. I'm going to worship him. Oh, Lord, I need help. I don't need to come in the door, skidding in on a wing and a prayer, and um, <clears throat> expect to be in that place where my heart is engaged with him. You know what, if I don't come in that door with my heart engaged, it's probably the end of the sermon before my heart is really engaged. Now, <clears throat> you know, 
we need to look at this thing as being important, and it needs to be that it's not vain worship, that it's not just mouth, that it's real. Second thing he says, though, uh, to them here in, in Matthew 15 is, but in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Here's what they're doing. They're making it up themselves. Really what they've done is, the Pharisees have hijacked the Jewish religion. They've actually got their own deal going, and it's really not about him at all. And he's saying they're worshipping me, and they're actually, what they're doing is they're doing their own thing. You know, when it comes to worship, we're going to look at it, it needs to be in spirit, it needs to be in truth. But it needs to be in truth, it needs to be about who he is. It needs to be what he wants, not what we think he wants. You know, it needs not, we don't need to decide, well, you know, this is what we do, so this is what we do. No, no, it needs to be what he wants. Our worship needs to be, it, it can be vain worship, it shouldn't be vain worship. But, you know, the Greeks, when um, Paul went to Greek, they, they offered a different kind of worship. They worshipped ignorantly. They didn't know who they were worshipping. They were, they were worshipping ignorantly. And Paul said, I come to declare the unknown God to you. Him who you worship ignorantly, I come to declare him to you. You know, when it comes to our worship, our relationship with God ought to be growing. Let me ask you a question. What did you learn about God this week? What did you learn about him? What, 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 what did you actually grasp? may not have been entirely new, but did, did you learn something new about God today? Did your devotions actually kind of, something went, whoa. Look who he is. Because that's what you're looking for. You're, 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 you're not reading the Bible to go through the motions. You're reading the Bible to know a person. And the more you know the person, the easier it is to worship. It's, it's kind of second nature for us to worship when we actually know him. And the more we see in them, and the, you know, like a diamond, a diamond has all these different sides, cuts on it that give you different shades on it. And, and we're, we're looking at a diamond in God. And we're seeing new facets of him and something else wonderful about him. And we're growing in this relationship and, and worship and praise just comes up from a heart that's in a live, growing relationship with him. <clears throat> so we need not to worship him ignorantly. And, and thirdly, uh, in Colossians chapter 2, uh, it talks about will worship. And here's what, it, here's what it's talking about. Talking about the new, the, 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 the new church, the early church. And what they were doing is they were, you know, they were, they were okay, so we used to be Jews and we did the days and the, and the weeks and the months and so on, and now we're Christians and we do the days and the weeks and the months, aren't we great? And here's what Paul is saying, that's will worship. What you're doing is you're actually going through the motions again in a different way, but it's will worship. Well, I'm in church every time the doors are open. I think you should be in every church every time the doors are open. But you know what? I don't think being in church any time the doors are open uh, <clears throat> gets you merit with God, gives you reason for clapping yourself on the back. I know Catholics that go to Mass every day. <clears throat> you know what? And what it is, and they're very proud of it usually. It's will worship. Christians can do the same thing. And what happens is, it's not real for us, and we're going through the motions again, and we're looking at these things, and, you know, we're happy in ourselves. So we've got to be careful of those things. We've got to be careful of, of vain worship. We've got to be careful of ignorant worship. And we've got to be careful of will worship. But <clears throat> another thing we can do, though, is we can do carnal worship. <clears throat> what we do is, we do worship that makes us feel good. Right? <clears throat> okay? If you're in hospital... And somebody brought you in a box of chocolates. 
and you were too sick to eat chocolates, so they sat there and they ate all your chocolates for you. Right? It's kind of irritating, isn't it? <laughs> when people do that, you know, because you get the feeling, I mean, who was he setting out to please? Him or me? Who was he setting out to actually <clears throat> do something for? I think sometimes God looks at us like that, like, what is your worship about? Is your worship about pleasing me? Or is your worship about pleasing yourself? Now, we live in a very man-centered age. We, humanism uh, is the ism of our day. <clears throat> uh, and humanism makes me the center of it all. So what makes me feel good is what I'm going to do. And that's translated into the church, too. So a lot of times what's happening in churches is, you know, <clears throat> you, you, you've got a system going on, but it's to make people feel good. And it's pitched to make people feel good. And the songs are chosen to make people feel good. You know, and the instruments are chosen to make people feel good. And all of it's to make people feel good. That's not worship. That's just not worship. Now listen, <clears throat> you know, you can say, well, no, I really enjoy it. A lot of people are coming out and people get to hear the word because of it. No, that's not worship. Worship is about him. Worship is... Now, <clears throat> listen, you don't have to do it exactly the way we do it. In fact, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, listen, we need constantly to be looking to the Lord to, uh, to help us with it. But so many churches out there this morning are worshipping carnally. They're worshipping because it makes them feel good. Is there a difference between feeling good and worship? Big difference. Now, listen, does real worship make you feel good? Yeah. But feeling good and worship are not the same. And when we pitch the church and pitch the worship program in the church to make everybody feel good, we've missed it. And what we do, do, what we do is we promote carnal worship, which is not worship at all. <clears throat> it really it doesn't do it. It doesn't do anything for God. And ultimately, uh, <clears throat> it doesn't do anything for man either. You know, we need to be careful of that one. We, you know, even in our worship, we can be carrying, oh, oh, that's a song I like, that's kind of clippy, and I like that song. And, but it's about me. It's not actually about God at all. And there's, there's a huge difference there. And we, we, we get terribly confused. I'll talk to you a minute about the <clears throat> uh, body, soul, and spirit. But there's a difference between what's fleshly and what's spiritual. And I think oftentimes we're really not aware of the difference and so what we'll do is we'll, do, we'll, we'll just worship currently and think it's great. And we've missed the point out because the Father seeketh such to worship and there's a particular kind of worship that he is looking for. <clears throat> all right. First of all, he says spirit. Now, when it talks about <clears throat> worshiping in spirit, uh, <clears throat> it's spiritual. One of the differences between the Old Testament and the New Testament is the ministry of the Spirit. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was there. He's always been there. He's God. He's always been around. Uh, and, uh, and he was involved. And he came upon people and enabled them to do things. And, um, he, but when we got saved, something amazing happened. The Spirit of God came to dwell within us. And what he did was he quickened our spirit. So before I was saved... <clears throat> I still looked the same. I still talked the same. I still had much going on the same. But I was fundamentally different before I was saved. You wouldn't have known it, but I had a dead spirit. It wasn't alive. It needed to be brought to life, quickened by God. 
and God quickened my spirit. <clears throat> now, each one of us are made up of <clears throat> three different parts. Right? We have a body. Your body is a physical you that touches the world, you know, touches the wood, touches off everything, feels, tastes. Listen, <clears throat> that's just who, who we are. On a, on a very real level, we have a body. And then we have a soul. Now, you can't see your soul. Your soul is inside of you. Your soul is the real you, you might say. Who you really are. You know, much to do with your thinking, much to do with what's going on in, in, inside of you, and what you're thinking, and how you feel about things, and all that. And that's your soul. And, and then you have a spirit. Now, your spirit is the part of you that relates to God. And only your spirit. Your soul doesn't relate to God. It's your spirit that relates to God. You relate to God through your... He talks to you and you talk to Him. It's a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual connection. It's, it's different from your soul. It's certainly different from your body. Now, we get confused. When we have noble feelings, we can easily think those things are our spirit. But no, that's not our spirit. Our spirit is the part of us that connects to God. And when it comes to worshipping God in spirit, we need to be in the place where we're actually spiritual, where we're connected. Now, <clears throat> I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands on this, but many of you this morning, if I asked you, do you know what it is to feel carnal? In other words, you're not walking in the spirit, you're walking in the flesh, and you have to hang your head and say, yeah, I, know, I know what that feels like. Right? <clears throat> uh, some of you are saying, do you know what it is now when you're walking in the spirit? And, and many of you would say, yeah, I know that. And I could ask some of you, and you would say, well, I'm really not sure what you're talking about. You know, sometimes I feel spiritual, and sometimes I don't. And, and um, you know, I, I, I'm really not sure. Now, here's an interesting thing to me. This thing actually puzzles me. Um, in in New Testament, when, when, when the apostles, uh, the, you know, the workload was getting too great, and they told them to go and choose deacons, here's what they did. They told the people to go and choose out seven men filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, and here's the thing that amazes me. They expected the congregation to know who was filled with the Holy Spirit and who wasn't. They expected that to be obvious. Reality. It wasn't, it's very confused in our day and age. They were very, were, were very confused about some of that. If somebody's nice, we think, well, you know, he's spiritual. No, 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 that's not, it's, it's somebody who's controlled by the Holy Spirit. That's the basis of it. So <clears throat> here's the deal. When it comes to us worshipping, what we need to be is we need to be in the place where we're controlled by the Holy Spirit. We need to be in the place where we're actually yielded to Him and He's in control. And now, it really is as simple as that. It's not difficult, you know, it's not something, you know, that you study for 10 years. It's not something that you somehow work up to and you meritoriously attain. It's something that you yield to. You say, okay, I want it. And you yield to the Spirit and let Him control you. That, that's what being spiritual is. That's essential to worship. The kind of worship God is talking about, that's essential to it, that you yield to the Holy Spirit. Now, let me just, let me just remove some of the fuzz uh, on, the, on this issue for you. you know, uh, look with me at Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. 
And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, it says, be not drunk with, with wine. What's that? That's a command, isn't it? Don't be drunk. Okay? What's the second part? But be filled with the Spirit. Do you think that's a command too? Look at it there. Is that a command? Is that a command to you? What qualifications does he put on this command? He doesn't. He sent this letter to the Ephesian church, and you know what? Uh, Everybody in the Ephesian church, he expected to actually obey it. And the Holy Spirit put it in the Bible because he expects all of us to obey. He expects us to be filled with the Spirit. Now, you say, oh, I I don't know if I'm up for that. Hang on a minute. How can you not be up for it if it's something God told you he wants of you? You say, but I'd have to and I'd have to. No, no, no. You don't have to do anything. You just have to let the Spirit of God have control. It's as simple as that. You just have to yield to him. That's all it takes. Now look, a lot of stuff I can't do. A lot of stuff you can't do, but I can yield. I can yield. I can give in. I can let the Holy Spirit have his way in my life, can't I? I, You know, it's not a case of I can't at that point. It's a case of will I or won't I? The command to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now here's the thing. Right? We'll, say, we'll say you're here sitting in your seat this morning. You say, oh, the pastor's right. The Bible says I'm supposed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you say to God, okay, God, I'm yielding to you. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you think God would do it? Of course he would. Do you, th- do you think God told you to do this? And then says, ha-ha, caught you. Not doing it. God doesn't do that kind of thing to us. When God says to you, be filled with the Holy Spirit... What he does is he actually, if you will do what he tells you to do, yield to the Holy Spirit, then he's going to actually fill you with the Holy Spirit. That's reality. Now, here's what's going to happen. What's going to happen is we're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then, next thing, you're going to go... It's going to happen. For some, it's going to be maybe a glorious experience. For some, it won't be such a huge experience, but it's real. Because God promised it. He did it. Some of you got saved, and listen, you wept your way through it because you were saved. Others, you've got saved and went to bed. You know, it, it doesn't. You know, it doesn't have to be this huge emotional thing. We're not. We're not looking at a huge emotional thing. But but listen, there has to be an effect. If I get saved and I'm just the same old Joe that I always was, doing the same old things, and there's no, nothing changed about me, um, I wonder are you really saved? Okay, the Spirit of God fills you and you're just the same old person doing the same old thing, then I'd have to wonder, are you really failed? See, now here's what happens, and here's where it gets confusing for us. See, we we talk about all these things, and we talk about being filled with the Spirit, and it comes up regularly, it's an important doctrine for us, and it comes up regularly. So, you know, first of all, well, I should be filled with the Holy Spirit. I must be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm not sure. But I must be. And even when I'm carnal, I'm still not sure I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit because I'm really not sure about the whole thing at all. And, and, and here's what happens. What happens for us is you ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. And most, most of you in this room at some point or other have asked the Holy Spirit to fill you. You ask the Holy Spirit to fill you and he does it. I, <clears throat> he th- takes us at our word. 
You gonna let me control the situation? I will. And then we walk out the door and there's a crisis, a question. Okay, what about in this situation? I want you to let that other driver out in front of you. Now, listen, I'm not giving you rules, I'm just giving you <coughs> examples. But he says, I want you to let that other driver out, and you say, I am not, no way. <coughs> now, instantly, what you've done is you've grieved him. Instantly, you, and it can happen that quick. And the, the reality is, he takes at face value, yes, um, <coughs> I will fail you, but we lose it rapidly because really we're not going to be controlled by anybody except ourselves. There's only one obstacle to you being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's your own will. Are you willing to do what God would have you to do? You see, we're not under the law like, like the Old Testament Jew was. We're under the uh, grace, we're under the Spirit. And what we've got is we've got the Spirit of God in us telling us what to do. And leading and guiding in our lives. And as long as we follow Him, He enables and it's sweet. But as soon as we throw the head, pull away, and do our own thing, you know what? We lose the sense of His presence. We don't lose the Holy Spirit because He's God's earnest uh, of our salvation. But we lose the sense of His presence. See, it's, very, it's actually very simple. It's not very difficult at all. It's not, you know, um, anything impossible. It's just simply, will you, will you, do you want it? And will you let him? And if you say, well, yeah. And, and you go out there and you let him, you know what, what happens is you're filled with the Holy Spirit. So here's the deal. Before you come to church on a Sunday morning, you want to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth? Get filled with the Holy Spirit. Let the Spirit of God have control of your life. And, and mean it. It ought to be the way of life for us. But when it comes to worship, there's absolutely no way that we can do it apart from Him. You see, here's the difference between us and the Old Testament on this point. The Old Testament was all about form. This is the way you do this, and this is the, <clears throat> this is the altar, and this is how you do the sacrifice, and this is the kind of sacrifice you have, and these are the days you come to the temple on. And, and, and the, the Old Testament was, was all about form. Right? <clears throat> but you know what? What God wants in you is a living relationship through His Holy Spirit. So that when you worship Him, and you you, you call out to him and you worship him. Listen, it's a heartfelt thing. It's a real thing. There's a connection between you and God. It's already been established. And you worship. And by the way, you don't have to wait till Sunday morning to do it. I think there's something special about us coming together to worship. But it's something you can do all through the week. Just worship. Sing a song. Make a song up. Sing. Worship Him. And you know what you'll find? Listen, it's amazing. And the Father seeketh such to worship Him. But you can't do it in the flesh. Carnal worship is an oxymoron. It doesn't exist. It doesn't happen. It's not worship. It may be singing songs, but it's not worship. Yeah. <clears throat> Don't, don't, don't do that one. Don't do that. By the way, let me say this. This is a total offshoot of it. Be careful when you take 
spiritual songs and you just sing them. Because we have this ability to actually, okay, we used to sing all, all kinds of songs, and we stopped singing all kinds of songs, now we sing Christian songs, so when we want to have a sing song, we have a Christian sing song. Now here's the problem with that. The problem with that is what we're doing is we're taking worship songs, worship words, and we're often singing them vainly. I'm really scared of that one in my life. When I'm going to talk to God, I want to talk to God. When I'm going to worship God, I want to worship it. And it's a spiritual issue. It's a spiritual deal. Now, you don't have to be in church. Can you do it in a group? Anywhere. You can do it. But it needs to be real. Serious business, this stuff. We need to worship Him in spirit. <clears throat> Second thing is we need to worship Him in truth. Who is this God you're worshiping? Who is He? If we were to talk <clears throat> in this room, we'd talk about, we'd find out, you know, we all got different levels of understanding of who God is. And that's okay. Because, you know, you, you, you come at first and you begin to grow and you begin to understand Him. But do you know that understanding God is the most important thing you can do as a person? Getting to understand Him, getting to know Him. You know, the Old Testament says, don't, don't glory, let not the strong man glory in his strength, let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he knoweth me. That's the most important thing you can do. You can get to know God. If we're going to worship him, it's going to be out of the fact that we're getting to know him. And that's why we need to be growing in this relationship with him. We need to be getting to know him. Now, there are obstacles to us as far as knowing Him. The, the preconceived ideas of who God is. Stuff that we got kind of wired into our brains from, 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 from a long time ago. You know, you, you, get your, you pick up your ideas of, of who God is from family. You pick up your ideas from who God is from previous religion. You, you pick up all kinds of ideas of who God is. And you know what drives it out and changes it? The renewing of your mind. You begin to understand Him from the Word. Begin to understand who this God is. And it is truly amazing to seek Him and to know Him and to grow in the knowledge and understanding of God. It, it is truly amazing. Let, let me put it this way. Um, I've <clears throat> been dwelling on this thought this week. And... It's going to come from my study, but, but here's the thing. Nothing in the world is perfect. Absolutely nothing in the world is perfect. Now, we want things to be perfect, and we long for things to be perfect, but the truth and the reality is nothing is perfect. Now, when you're young, you've got all the hope in the world that you're going to find perfection. You know, things are going to be perfect. Something's going to be perfect. Something's going to find a perfect relationship. You're going to have perfect kids. You're going to have... When you're young, you have all these things. And very often what happens for people is that as they grow older, they get tired. And they get weary. And they get fed up. And they get bitter. And disillusioned. Because nothing is perfect. Do you know that God never intended anything to be perfect after the curse? He made it so. Now why did he do that? He made the world imperfect and everything in it so that he would focus us on him. Because he is perfect. <clears throat> Everything.
everything about him is perfect. <coughs> everything about him satisfies. And only that satisfies. That when our hearts begin to look to him, what we find is we find perfection and satisfaction. And what we'll find in the world is everything that kind of has at least the, the, the hope of perfection points us to him. Creation points us to him, doesn't it? You, know, you look at creation and your heart as a Christian gets, gets drawn to him. Michelangelo said this. He said that, that every great piece of art was really but a pale reflection of the perfection of God. I think we could say that about everything that's really beautiful in this world is a pale reflection of the perfection of God. Now here's a problem for us. You see, <clears throat> I, can, <clears throat> I can go down to the, the art gallery and I can look at the piece of art down there. But when it comes to God, where do I go? I only see God through eyes of faith. And so we'd sooner have something that's imperfect with the hope that it'll be perfect, then actually go after the reality of God. And He's perfect. And so as I grow in my knowledge of Him, He satisfies my soul. You see, I'm going to worship Him in truth. I need to worship Him for who He really is. I need to be growing in Him. And knowing Him. You see, the, the quest of our lives needs to be to know God. Don't, don't we sometimes think, you know, that, well, <clears throat> you know, we go to church and, and the pastor's paid. That's his job to actually teach us uh, and, uh, and to teach us about God. But that's not the way it's always been in Christianity. Do you know that <clears throat> Christians oftentimes go way beyond just having devotions in the day? They study the Word to know Him, to grow in Him. They teach their kids. They study and they grow in God. Because that's the quest of a lifetime. And you see, here's the thing. And you'll know this one as a believer. When you uncover a new facet of God, your heart just goes up in worship. And isn't it amazing? I, I, I can tell you something 25 times. And one day you're reading in the Bible... And the same truth just kind of leaps off the page for you, and now it's yours. That you've been, and it becomes, and what that does is that stirs your heart to worship. You see, we're supposed to worship Him in spirit and in truth, but we're supposed to worship Him. But if we're going to worship Him, we first of all need to be spiritual. And by spiritual, I mean that we need to be in the place where we're connected to Him. We're walking in the Spirit. The Bible has a lot of different terms for it. And you could actually, you could actually inter intermingle them all. Walking in the Spirit, abiding in Christ. <clears throat> That's worship. That's in the place of worship. That's in the place of connection where we can actually worship Him. Now, look at <clears throat> um, Ephesians again with me for a second, right? <laughs> You're still there in Ephesians chapter 5. It says, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me say this to you. 
you can't work backwards through this thing. You can't do worship to be filled. It doesn't work. Worship flows because you're filled. Worship flows because you're in relationship. Worship flows because you're connected. It just happens. <clears throat> you be filled with the Spirit and these things are happening. You can see the same thing in Colossians uh, chapter 3. It says the same thing. You know, this is what happens. It flows because <clears throat> you're connected to Him and you're walking with Him. Worship just flows at those times. Now, so, so what are the obstacles to you really worshiping today? First one is, are you filled with the Spirit? You say, oh, that's hard. No, it's not. That's not hard. Now, it gets complicated for us. Then because some of us have been filled with the Spirit and we've breathed the Spirit of God and you know what? <clears throat> We're not filled anymore. Some of us have been filled with the Spirit, but we came across something we just weren't willing to do. And what we find in our lives is, well, if you're not willing to do it, then y you can't have all of me that you'd like. But it's not hard. It's not difficult. God doesn't make it something impossible for you. He makes it very simple for you. Are you willing to yield? You know, some of you have some obstacle in your soul. There's something you know God wants you to do, and you're not doing it. Not now, not ever. <clears throat> and you're not letting go and you're not releasing it. And here's the thing. Whatever it is that you think you're gaining by not releasing, you're losing so much more. Don't you understand that? You're losing so much more. See, we need to be filled. We need to be in connection so that we can worship. You see, <clears throat> all of us that are believers have probably had occasions, have had times when we were just there. You may have been crying. You may not have been crying, but you were there, and in, in your heart, your hands were up, and you were worshiping in the throne room. And you know what? High point of your life. Isn't that true? You say, but it's about God. Yeah, it's about God, but you know the reality? It's about God, and it comes back to us, because everything does with God. And you were really worshiping. And you're holding on to something in your life that's, that's hindering you. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. You know, I think Christians get disillusioned and discouraged because really we get bent out of shape with God. There's absolutely nothing God won't forgive you if you come to Him. But the kicker for us is that, yeah, God's going to forgive me, but He wants me to change. You know, Jonah, he's in the, he's in the belly of the great fish. The fish spits him up on the beach after he gets right with God. What does God say? Nothing. Understood. And the thing is, now you're going to go to Nineveh. Do what I told you to do the first time. <clears throat> you see, if there's something between you and God and you confess it and get it right, God's going to receive you back. But what he says to you, Look, let's just deal with it now. And we want to be in control and we can't be in control and be spiritual at the same time. And we can't worship. And what happens is, Rapidly, Christianity begins to be the form of things again for us. We go back to being Old Testament people. Oh, we've got to be in church, because if we're not in church, somebody's going to ask us why we're not in church, so we've got to be in church. Oh, we've got to sing the songs, because the pastor will be on our case. And uh, You know, it's the form of things. Rapidly. And the reality is because we're not connected. 
because we're not in that vital relationship, because we're not walking with Him, because we're not abiding in Him. Now, nobody here today is going to argue with me and say, well, you know, I don't think the best thing for me is to do that. So, what's holding you back? What's hindering you? What would stop you from really worshipping today? What would stop you from yielding to Him Letting the Spirit have control in your life and really worshipping. Nothing except our will. Nothing would stop us. And you know what? You lose. And you know what else? God loses. Because the Father seeketh such to worship Him. Now that ought to thrill our hearts. Here's the picture I get in my mind, right? <clears throat> Here we come Sunday morning, Lifegate Bible Baptist Church, and we meet to worship. And the God of heaven sees down through the atmosphere, down through the roof, and he sees us. But he doesn't see just the bodies. He sees straight through to our hearts. And you may be there croaking it out. But you're connected to Him and you're worshipping Him. And that does something to the heart of God. Somehow that satisfies the great heart of our God. And He looks down and He sees some of us and no, we're not there. And the Holy Spirit's very faithful in his ministry of bringing conviction. He puts his finger on it. I don't know what it is with you between you and God. I don't know even who it is that has something between you and God. But the Holy Spirit can put his finger down and say, this is it. This is the problem. He's very faithful and very able. And when you say, yes, Lord, that's the problem. Forgive me. Take it away. I'm willing. He will do it. And you get set free. And you get set free to worship and to enjoy Him, that which you were made for. The only question is, will you? Let's all stand to our feet for prayer. Blessed Holy Spirit, we do thank you for your presence amongst us. And oh Lord, we ask that you would do a work in hearts and lives. Lord, I suppose that there's not one person in this room who's your child who, could, who would say today they don't want to be filled with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, since everybody here truly would like to be filled with your Holy Spirit, and since you're willing, Lord, would you do it? Would you fill your people with your Spirit? Lord, where there's something that's standing between you and somebody, Lord, would you bring conviction swift and clear so they know what it is that's hindering. And Lord, would you fill that person too? And Lord, I pray for those people that are going to walk out, Lord, and they're going to hit something before they get home. Oh Lord, I pray they'd respond rightly to it and they'd say yes to you. And Lord, we know that your spirit is the power for the church, the power for the Christian life. When we look to you, we depend upon you. Lord, would you do it? Would you be mighty for us, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.